This is the Energy Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. And the fact that we're using the earth as our source of energy, it makes it much easier to extract that energy and bring it to our home. That's what's gonna be, I think, truly transformational to a lot of businesses. And hydrogen fuel cells enable that world you really can accomplish for a lot of use cases with batteries. By covering the surfaces in floating solar PV panels, you can not only generate electricity on site, you can actually purify the water. We're powered up, let's flip the switch. Solar generation has more than doubled in the past 10 years, and it's getting easier and more efficient for both residential and commercial uses. But when you're dealing with the power demands of a large commercial building, that's a little more complicated. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, my guest is Omid Badkuba. He's the co-founder and CEO of Yada Energy. Omid began his solar career in 2009 when he grew a regional solar company to formerly an annual revenue, but he saw an opportunity for a solution. Today, we're talking about the growth in meter energy storage and why a simplified battery solution is needed to scale for larger operations. Omid, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Shelby. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with, um, I guess, a little bit more about you. I mean, you're the co-founder and CEO of Yada Energy in Austin. And so I want to hear how you got into solar energy in the first place and kind of what what is that spark of curiosity that really landed you there? Yeah. So uh, I was finishing up some credits for university at UCLA in uh in California, and I took a part-time job at a real estate office, and there were some luxury high-end homes that I saw listings for, and something just caught my eye. There was one that was completely off-grid. It was powered by solar 100%. And this is probably back in 2007 when the industry was in its infancy. It was very expensive, but it really sparked something in me. It was like, wow, mankind has always evolved around using the sun for advancing society, and here we are. We have technology that can power our homes and businesses. And the rest is history. Just kind of worked in the industry now for close to 11 years. And I've really seen the rise as the markets expanded. So yes, you would have seen this at its very infancy. Um, I guess for a little bit of perspective, how far has the solar industry come uh, from its very, very rudimentary uh, basis, say 10, 20 years ago, to what's being done both um, you know, commercially, residentially, and and really just across the industry as a whole. Yeah, so the industry started close to 40, 50 years ago uh, at Bell Labs, and it was really a way to power satellites. Uh, it was very expensive. Um, and then the next wave was more for remote power in the oil and gas sector, especially in offshore um, drilling, which is the irony. <laughs> yeah. And then it really got a nice boost in, by the hippie movement in a way, like, People started building in camps and started uh, powering uh, off-grid, and it really started this movement, and it was actually powered, it was really interesting, more by the marijuana industry in the early days <laughs> in Northern California. So there's a whole documentary about this called Solar Roots, 
Ah. that I recommend anyone to watch that's interested. But now it's gone mainstream. It's definitely hit Moore's Law. Uh, The price of producing solar modules has dropped significantly. So it really started as a a green movement. Uh, People installed solar not just simply from an economic standpoint, but doing what's right, believing in the technology, to now it is green the other way. It's, it's actually become the most economical form of new energy creation in many parts of the world. And now on the large utility scale sector, they're, they're saying that their price is less than two cents per kilowatt hour. Um, and then when you get into distributed markets, such as placing solar panels on homes and businesses, it is still very competitive. And that's where power is needed most. So the market for solar is booming, but we're now at the next stage of, of what we need to develop, and which is storage. We can't go too much further with solar without developing some way to store the energy. Right. And that's been a historical roadblock then. It's it's kind of hampered the ability to really scale because you're not able to literally capture what you're, you're bringing in with that energy from the sun, especially on a large scale uh, basis within uh, commercial applications. That's crucial. So. Right. So the challenge has been that storage and, and uh, where I guess the traditional approach has been kind of putting it into, uh, into these large boxes or containers. But you guys took a different approach, and that's panel-level storage. Will you explain, I guess, exactly what that is and why that's different? The challenge with storage has always been the cost of the technologies. That's expected to be coming down very quickly. Part of that is thanks to the, to the electric uh, vehicle industry driving up scale. But uh, the theory we have is no matter how much the cost of batteries themselves come down, soft costs, which today make up more than 50% of, an, of a total project, will still remain high. And this is related to issues of where can I place batteries, the proper place that I can place the system and where the interconnection might be, might be mm-hmm. on two opposite sides of that building, all the various factors of how do I make it safe by having so much energy in one spot and having to add complex fire suppression systems, and also having a completely separate project and permitting process than what's generally happening with solar that's already happening on that building. So this, all these factors is what led us to kind of take a completely different approach and say, well, what if we can integrate storage directly behind the solar panel uh, using the same crew that's already going to be there deploying the solar. And it's interesting, uh, Wood McKenzie just put out a report that said 80% of projects go along with solar. And being able to address the soft cost is going to be the greatest market driver for companies in this space. Mm. And so we, we feel the format that we've created allows us to hit that problem head on. What is the solution then? I mean, how is, is panel level storage a solution for the industry's really long-term problem of lack of storage. Yeah, so storage is, is growing quite rapidly. And you, you're still going to have lots of scaling of solar without storage. But a lot of governments and mandates are now requiring goals of 100% renewable or 50% renewable targets, right? Mm-hmm. And in order to hit that, you have to be able to store the energy. Otherwise, you still need fossil fuels for baseline power. We're not ready yet to make the transition to letting go of fossil fuels until we can store energy in a cost-effective way. Where we come in, uh, we've developed a technology that is based on a phase change heat exchange system that protects batteries. Um, And with our technology, we're now able to integrate storage, the storing of the solar kilowatt hours produced by solar modules, directly behind the solar module. So it becomes a kind of an all-in-one solution. And the, the major reason why this hasn't been done before is batteries kind of need to be taken care of. They need to be babied. They can't Mm -hmm. handle high temperatures. They can't handle cold temperatures. They need a system that can protect them. 
And this is kind of locked batteries previous to this into very large formats. Everyone's placing them in shipping containers uh, or these large cabinet systems, which works great in the utility scale side of solar development, solar storage mm -hmm. development, but it doesn't really bode well in urban environments uh, where you need to add this resiliency factor to buildings and homes. The resiliency factor is interesting to, to hear because that um, I think is, is maybe pinpoints a little bit of the consumer hesitation and uh, maybe then the uh, slowness to adopt on a, a large industrial scale. Um, can you speak a little bit more to the fact that how this uh, creates this sustainability to the point where it's actually being captured and that's the, that's the difference maker? Solar just by itself is more of just a, an offset. So it's a, it's a, think of it like in the sense of a hybrid car. Like you, have, you still have gas, but you had this electric engine that could come in. You're hybridizing your energy production, and you're getting a portion of it from solar PV, and then you're looking at, oh, I can knock off this much each month. This is why I make this investment. Storage adds a whole other dimension. It, it now makes it more of a controlled asset. And to just kind of give an example, uh, majority in some markets like California, 50% or more of a building's electricity bill comes from what's called demand charges mm -hmm. and not the actual amount of power they use, but the amount of reserve that they need for that business to function, which the utility accounts as demand charges. And solar panels by themselves can't really reduce that because you can't predict when you're going to have the high production rates. But you add in storage to that mix, and now you can Ad, you can you know precisely predict how much you can reduce that demand charge for a building. At the same time, you can have backup power and resiliency. At the same time, you can then start to aggregate these systems and start doing what's called energy trading or virtual power plants. And that's the ability to trade the energy that's produced on these various assets into the market. And so I, I often tell people, if you think of it in terms of technology, uh, solar was the computer or is the computer and storage is kind of like the internet. It's going to really, it's what's going to give it its true potential. Right. And I came up with that. So if anyone so, else sells that, uh, you know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. What year was the company founded? Yeah, so we founded the company in, uh, officially in 2017. We were in uh, R&D and stealth prior to that uh, before we formalized the company. And so, yeah, we formally formed it, the co-founder and I in 2017 and it's been an up uphill trajectory since then. Uh, we now have a, a very uh, experienced team of both engineers and uh, product development specialists, as well as uh, key market business development people. And uh, we've made some really good traction. Uh, we were recently awarded the startup of the year uh, by Solar Power International. It's the largest trade show um, and actually the largest energy conference in the world. So it was a really nice uh, award to receive from the industry, looking at our technology and our format, seeing how it can kind of improve and grow the market. Do you think when you were creating the company, uh, did you really see the potential from the outset or was it more of a very slow incubation that it took until maybe, you know, maybe you're still pinching yourself saying, okay, this is really working and this is really taking off. Like, I guess I'm, I'm curious about that, uh, that infancy of the, of the business. It, uh, Anyone that's done any kind of st startup or hardware, you know it, it's in waves, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> obviously you saw the potential, otherwise you wouldn't go through it. But I think there were moments when maybe we didn't realize how big of an impact this could be, and then maybe selecting which markets we should focus on. Uh, there was at one time when we were like, oh, we're going to put a battery behind every solar panel that exists. And, and of course, that's still a potential as we grow and get into other markets. But we've now matured and focused and said, okay, well, these are some markets that 
we solve the biggest pain points in. These are some markets that uh, we can get into and scale rather quickly. These are markets where there's strong incentives for what we're doing. And so we've kind of narrowed and focused the business. We've kind of grown up in a way. And so, yeah, I think I think uh, to start a company and to ha- you have to have that belief that what you're doing is going to have an ultimate uh, impact for moving society forward. Otherwise, it's uh, if you don't have that that motivation, it's a hard struggle to go through. And so in fine-tuning your your markets, uh, what are the markets that you're currently focused on? Our, our market that we see we solve the most potential disruption for is, is adding energy storage to commercial buildings. And why that is very key is everyone else that's in this space has their batteries in these large boxes, shipping containers or different enclosures. And it simply just doesn't work for most buildings. If you drive around town and you look around, most businesses just don't have a space to plop down that kind of a permanent asset without interfering with the flow of the the use of the building. And meanwhile, majority of these buildings are looking to do solar that goes on the rooftop. And we've designed a product that simply integrates and doesn't use any additional new space. And we also, majority of these systems use what's called ballasted racking. It's a system of weight that's placed on the roof so they don't have to penetrate the roof, which is a major concern. And our batteries actually serve as that ballast weight. So we're actually not adding any new installation time for what's already going to happen on that building. We're just now solving the energy storage integration in the same process as the solar deployment. And so you add in all of these factors, and it, it made, just made a whole lot of sense for us to focus on the commercial rooftop uh, market. At the same time, we get a lot of requests globally for the use of our product and our technology for microgrids as well. So it's a market that we're also uh, keenly aware of. Our goal is to kind of scale and drive down the cost and be kind of the storage solution when you have situations where you don't have a lot of space, you don't have room to give up to put in batteries, and you want a system that's reliable and can last. How does it compare on, on price? So we're very competitive. So the thing with price is you have to look at the what's called the installed cost or the all-in cost. We compete really well on just the price of building the technology. Of course, we have a little more cost when it comes to the individual components because we're producing a lot more. But on the other side, where you account for the soft cost, uh, we end up coming anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20% cheaper than some of the leading solutions. And we're then able to drive down that cost much more rapidly because our product can be produced on an assembly line. It can be shipped much more easily. And so we're then able to get it, you know, future forecast, drive down the cost to be even more competitive against other solutions. It seems like all the best solutions um, have that that factor of, well, why didn't I think of that? And it sounds like this ballast system is is something where it just makes sense uh, once you get into the mechanics of it. But uh, it's maybe something that wasn't obvious to others. I, I, I guess I'm asking you a little bit of a conjecture, but why hadn't this solution uh, come to the market beforehand? Yeah, it's it's simply temperature uh, extremes. And many people that probably worked in the industry may have had the thought um, and said, oh, it'd be great if we could. Because there there was a, if you back, go backwards, there's a whole wave of what's called module level power electronics. And that was the idea of making microinverters and DC optimizers that go in behind every panel. And it, bring, it brought a whole lot of benefits to the industry. You can now monitor the panels. You can turn them off to have safe operation if someone's on the roof and yada, yada, yada. And so I think it was a natural idea. We don't claim to have to come up with the idea. It's the execution of the idea. And I would say why no major battery manufacturer or player in the space has done this is, is probably the first barrier is temperature. And that's what our technology solves. Uh, so we're able to keep the batteries in a very comfortable temperature zone without using any uh, power and with a solid state design. 
in extremely cold climates, we do use some power, but it's a very efficient use of the power. And then the second thing is, you know, it's just like if you think of the evolution of the electric vehicle, right? There's not any company that was an automo automotive manufacturer that probably didn't think of an electric vehicle, but they all decided to wait on the sidelines. To me, that's the definition of a startup is a company that comes in and thinks boldly enough that they can attempt something and solve it and, and uh, you know, push through. You have a really a history then of, of startup experience. I mean, you worked with Tesla and Evoke Electric Motorcycles. So this personality or I guess mindset, mind, mindset is sounds like it's pretty ingrained in you. Uh, how important is that, that mindset in creating better uh, technology and products for Yada? Yeah, I think it's, it's that entrepreneurship drive that was instilled in me as a child that's probably created that really quick story my my uncle was a doctor he used to play tennis and he would give me all of his used tennis balls and i remember when i was maybe six seven years old going around the neighborhood uh with a wagon selling used tennis balls <laughs> that was my first uh business model but i think that's what kind of instilled me to to do something that was outside of the nine to five comfortable workflow right i had some good job offers that i turned down to start this company and uh ultimately i think you have to see what that in picture is uh we're trying to we're creating a company that's going to employ many people to show kind of the core values of, of doing things right i don't think there's a definition of a great company i think there are great leaders running companies and I think we, we try very hard to kind of instill those those ethics and, and sense of responsibility into the company as we grow. What does that end picture look like for you? Yeah, I think the end picture for us is to, to be a major player in energy storage. We see the potential for every rooftop to be a distributed power plant. Uh, it solves a lot of problems. And we, we're open to scaling the company all the way through. We're also open through a partnership models where we work with uh, larger players to help accelerate to market. I think our ultimate goal is to, is to make an impact. And we have profound technology in, in solar. We're, we're trying to help take it to the next level. With the recent growth of the company and some um, some investments that have gone into, into Yada, I mean, it's clear that things are really happening there. So I guess what's next for Yada and uh, what uh, what do you expect soon? The next phase for us is we've, we are working with some really vetted uh, third-party uh, partners. We're working with NREL through the IN2 program, and we are launching some of our first commercial pilots now on actual installations. And soon we'll be looking to kind of phase the next growth of the company and take the product to the final stage of commercialization. Um, and so it's a journey. Things take time. <laughs> right. I think it's just continuing to tread the path that we're on and executing. Well, fantastic stuff from you, Amit. I really do appreciate your time. And I look forward to seeing this vision come true. And it's it's pretty fascinating that it all started with your own personal fascination with solar and just the possibility that, that it carries. Yeah, just, just one quick note to the listeners, just quick fact about solar. Just 10 minutes of the sun's potential energy hitting the earth is enough to power humanity for a year. Wow. It's the only form of energy that's commonly used that doesn't require something to spin. Every other form of energy creation requires something mechanical to spin, where solar, uh, really the beauty of it is the fact that you can literally distribute it anywhere the sun shines and create energy. And so to me, the biggest potential is energy access and bringing modern amenities to, to the global scale. Amit, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Shelby. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Energy Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. <laughs>